Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Anthologies of an Overthinker. This is your overthinker, Josh, speaking again. Today, I'm hoping to uh, do a, a useful, useful uh, topic today, breaking down our overthinking brains. So a lot of the times, when we find ourselves in the quietest of moments, we hear that voice in our head that may or may not be saying good things, telling us bad things, talking us down of our abilities, telling us we're not good enough, essentially being the bully instead of being the ally. And I'd like to go about this episode as far as how do we break down those negative thought patterns in our overthinking brains. Because really, it's, it is very easy to get caught up in the aspect of our overthinking brains that does nothing but really berate us and make us question not just our abilities, but at times even our worth. So really, when we're talking about the negative thought patterns, it's mostly coming from a place of self-doubt. Or maybe even from a place of where we've been told we're not good enough. We're never going to be good enough. And as opposed to that being a driving force to want to do what everyone is saying you can't, some people can get caught up in the idea of, well, maybe they're right. Maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe I can't do what they say I can't do. But really, it's not a matter of what others say we can or can't do. It all boils down to a matter of what it is we think and believe we are capable of. Because when it becomes capabilities and abilities, most of it boils down to confidence. And this is something that I understand dearly because I spent most of my life as a very unconfident person. Not confident in my abilities, not confident in my in my opinion being important, not confident in thinking that people wanted to hear what I needed to say. So I just sat back and I just listened and waited until maybe, just maybe someone was around to hear what I had to say. Because in this world of people that we can interact with, there really aren't a whole lot out there that are within the realm of people that really want to listen. They're more in the boat of people who are waiting for their turn to talk. And when you're speaking with someone who is waiting for their turn to talk, you get a lot of filler answers or single word responses like, yep, uh-huh. That's pretty cool. Yeah, okay. Nothing that really has any sort of substance to it. Nothing with any context that feels relative to what you're saying. And when we get caught up in those, it makes it very easy to assume that, well, maybe what I'm saying is not important. So instead of getting caught up in those sort of 
concepts of well, what I'm saying is not important. We need to create an inner dialogue, really, to first convince ourselves that what we're saying is important. I mean, there's many people that are in this world that are shy, sit back, and don't want to say anything to anyone because they're afraid what they say might be, might sound silly, might embarrass them, might cause a, a type of humiliation. And nobody wants to feel like they're being humiliated or humiliated themselves or got themselves in an embarrassing situation. Uh, so when we, when we come across those sort of scenarios, that's when we can get caught up in the negative thought patterns of, of our overthinking mind. And this really boils down to winning the argument with yourself. So when I talk about winning the argument with yourself, you may think I'm, uh, you know, a little bit, uh, a little bit crazy by thinking such a thing. How are you going to win an argument with yourself? Well, I mean, we all have this inner monologue, this inner dialogue of something or someone in the back of your head, whether it's yourself, whether it's something that someone told you before, maybe it was a a friend or a bully from from your uh, past that is, you know, telling you didn't do could do better, or your parents telling you you could do better, and, you know, just a bombardment of, you're not good enough, you can't do good enough, and you'll never be good enough. But that is where winning the argument with yourself comes in. Because whether it's your voice in the back of your head, or someone else's voice, the voice of general society saying that because of where you're from, because of where you came from, what you do, you know, what you look like, you're never going to be good enough. But winning the argument with yourself is key to breaking out of that. Because what's going on here is, you know, when you hear something in the back of your head saying, yeah, you're not going to be able to do that. I mean, you could never write a good story. You could never create a good podcast. You could never draw such a, draw an amazing picture. You're not a very good driver. You're not very good at anything you do. When those thoughts get caught up in the back of your head, the more you hear it, the more you begin to believe it. So that's why it is so important to win the argument with yourself. And the key to that is understanding that persistence and consistence is key. So when you're arguing with yourself, you know, maybe there's a voice in the back of your head that's telling you, uh, you're not good enough. You're not going to be able to, to do whatever it is that you're trying to set out to do. Face it, I mean, we end up in a society where we have naysayers left and right. People in this world that are willing to pull themselves up by yanking others down. Because really those people, they end up essentially yanking those down around them to fend off their own insecurities. And if a person 
can make someone else look a little bit worse than them while bringing themselves up, well, you know, that's, that's what ends up happening in this world. You get some people bring themselves up by pulling others down. And whenever you hear that in the back of your head, it's important that you, you argue. You don't just agree. You don't just say, yeah, maybe, maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe I'm not a good writer. Maybe I'm not a good bike rider. Maybe I'm not a good teacher. Maybe I'm not a good uh, lawyer, accountant, doctor, whatever it is that everyone, anyone out there wants to have a goal to become. Whatever it is, those naysayers in the back of your head, whether it's yourself, your parents, your friends, your family, acquaintances, anyone that you've encountered in this world that is telling you or has assumed that you're not good enough because of whatever reason. Because, face it, nowadays, in this life, it doesn't take much of a reason for someone to, to bring you down. I mean, you could be wearing the wrong shirt. You could be wearing the wrong color. You could have the wrong hairstyle. You could walk the wrong way. You could talk the wrong way. This is a, a world where people can nitpick any and every aspect of themselves. No matter how much we hear criticisms from others, our most, our biggest, I should say, critic is normally ourselves. You know, you didn't do this good enough. You didn't do that good enough. But instead of saying you didn't do this or you didn't do that good enough, this is part of winning the argument. You can't just agree, like I had mentioned before. You don't just agree with your bullying self. You know, you got to start off by meeting in the middle somewhere. Maybe you didn't do something well enough or to your own expectations, so maybe the next time you have that chance to, to do it again, you know. You know how to do it better. And instead of buying into your your bullying self, your self-critic, the one that's always going to berate everything you do, you got to figure out, okay, well, you know what? Maybe I didn't do it good enough. Maybe I wasn't as capable as I should have been in that moment. But that's all right. That's all right because I know I can do better next time. And I know when I have the opportunity to do better next time, I know how to. And that's just... That's just simple as far as at least partially winning arguments with yourself. But you have to be persistent. And you have to be consistent. Every time you hear the self-doubt in your head, anytime you hear a voice of someone in the back of your head telling you you didn't do good enough or you can never be good enough, you always gotta, you always got to have a rebuttal. You've always got to tell them otherwise. And even if it's in your own head, even if you don't say it out loud, which I mean a lot of people probably wouldn't, but that inner monologue of telling yourself that you are better, telling yourself that you can do better, and telling yourself that, hey, I'm only human. I can make mistakes. And I can 
reach my goals. I can do better than I did before. Because it's not a matter of can you do better. It's a matter of when you will do better. Because you can't just assume that you can't do any better than you just did. You just have to assume that the aspect that I didn't do well enough is an aspect I can improve on. We have a lot of time in this world, a lot of time to live and think about you know, the aspects of ourselves that we're not happy with. And in doing that the wrong way, we get caught up in these negative thought patterns of our overthinking mind. But really what we need to do is instead of using our overthinking mind to get into our own heads, second-guess everything that we do, you know, wonder what it is that is holding us back, maybe you just realize that it could be yourself holding yourself back. Your lack of confidence, your lack of self-esteem. I know that's what it was for me. I was never in a spot of thinking that I could do anything uh, significant. I mean, not that I'm saying recording a podcast or managing my own podcast is something significant, but it's my way of of contributing to you know what I like to think of as the the greater consciousness, helping people get where they want to be by breaking down their overthinking mind. Is there one I've ever spoken to about overthinking? They always sort of sigh, oh yeah, I'm an overthinker too, I overthink everything. And it's, there's this tone that uh, has a connotation of it being a burdening thing. And of course overthinking can be a burdening thing, but it could also be a wonderful thing. And the key aspect of it that can make it a wonderful thing is something that I have alluded to in some of one of my previous previous episodes, but it's our imagination. When we stop and realize that our imagination isn't just something for kids, then perhaps we can utilize it for something that is more, let's say, adult-oriented. You know, as we grow out of childhood, we're forced into this spot of adulting, as some people like to call it. You know, being responsible, being accountable. You know, and we may never get there as soon as we'd like to, but as long as we're constantly striving to be responsible adults, then, you know, we will, we will get there but we'll get there much easier utilizing our imagination. So yeah, an imagination isn't just about, you know, playing pretend, you know, having an imaginary friend, or, you know, pretending you're somewhere that you're not, or doing something that you're not. I mean, it's, I, I exercise my imagination all the time. I have two, two young boys, a 10-year-old and a 5-year-old. My 5-year-old exercises my imagination every day and it's helps 
in the sense of realizing that in my adult life, in my adult mind, that imagination is something that can be utilized as a tool. Because that's what your imagination is. Imagination is a tool. And when you take your imagination and you smash it up with your overthinking mind, those two can collaborate into you know, amazing possibilities. You know, I had uh, used a, a Game of Thrones scene from another, uh, another episode I recorded that uh, I'm not going to speak on, but, you know, everything that I speak on, whether it was this episode or previous episode, it all ties in together because everything is interconnected. But our imagination is what ties it all together as well. So you can you use your imagination to put yourself in situations and scenarios that you otherwise wouldn't be in or wouldn't find yourself in very commonly. But what if you do? What if you do find yourself in a scenario where you would never expect it to be in? But now, you're completely caught off guard. You have no idea what to do. Now you're just like a deer in the headlights. Stuck. Wondering. What do I do? But if you had used your imagination to collaborate with your overthinking mind, you could have been prepared for it. You know, in, in uh, any facet of anything. I mean, I, I use my imagination in conjunction with my overthinking mind to prepare myself for the things that I can't anticipate that may or may not happen. Not only is it a matter of putting myself in the situation or scenario of something that may or may not happen, but all the different possibilities within that scenario. You know, it'd be like a matter of, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, we're living in a world that's a little bit more, a little bit more risky, a little bit more uh, dangerous than it used to be, so to speak. I mean, the, uh, the news rarely ever has anything good in it. You know, you got a lot of crime rates, you have a lot of, you know, uh, people doing bad things to each other. And you never know when you're going to come across one of those people that are willing to do something bad to you or around you. But what would you do? What would you do if you were in that scenario? And that is where the imagination plays a huge part. Like, I have, uh, no, I don't anticipate having anyone break into my home and try to, you know, threaten my family in any way unexpectedly, but I have put my mind into, my overthinking mind, I should say, into many, many different scenarios as far as what I would do, what could I do? You know, I mean, I'm not one that, uh, I don't have a gun. I'm not against guns. But I have an idea of what I would do if someone came to my door with a gun. 
I mean, I've put myself in that situation plenty of times. But you never know what you would do. But that's where your imagination comes in. Your imagination will tell you what are the possibilities. I mean, you could freeze up like a deer in the headlights. You know, you could react. Maybe you can, uh, you'll be prepared with some uh, a weapon behind your door or something, just in case. Or you could think of all the different things that you could use as a weapon in case of an intruder. And, you know, scenarios like that. I mean, I was just explaining to my son the other day all the different things that I had thought of off the top of my head in a moment of crisis where I would need to use something as a weapon and I'm not prepared for I mean, I don't want to think about stuff like that. Well, many people don't want to think about anything that could happen to them that's bad. But we can't just let it, uh, let chance, you know, be our guide. You know, because sometimes you don't have chance and luck to help you out along the way. You only have yourself and your brain and your mind to help you figure those things out. You know, like, what would you do in a car accident? What would you do if you saw a car accident? You're driving down the road and, you know, a few cars ahead of you, you saw, you know, someone, someone gets sideswiped and now they, their car rolled and now they're, they're stuck upside down in their car or they're, uh, you know, they're unconscious in their car. I mean, would you freeze up? Would you and wait for someone to do something about it? Would you be the one that gets up and does something about it, though? And that is also where our imagination comes into play. Our imagination will tell us what we possibly could do in a scenario like that. Like, I had thought of, you know, if I saw someone stuck in a car and I was, I was close enough to do something about it, you know, I'd have to jump out of my car, I'd you know, run to the closest door, maybe see if there's see if there's any gasoline smell around, because obviously if there's gasoline smell, you want to make sure there's no fire around. If there's a fire around close to that gasoline, well, then something could be ready to ignite, which means you have a time frame now. You have a tiny window to do something about it. And that little window could be a matter of life and death. I mean, we've all... We all drive to and from work, to and from the store, every day. Every day we're in perilous situations that we don't even realize when we're operating vehicles. I mean, I operate heavy machinery at work every day. And I got to keep every single scenario in my head to make sure that I don't cause any harm to myself, to anyone else, or anything else due to carelessness. Because we, we become complacent when we aren't prepared for things or when we're, we feel as though we are too prepared for things. As soon as you feel like you're more prepared for anything than you could possibly be, now you're like, okay, well, I already know what to do, so I'm just going to you know, just be fra-la-da-da. But as soon as you uh, slip out of that mindset of being prepared, that's when complacency happens. And the complacent mind is a dangerous mind. 
because as complacency rolls in, so does risk factors that are probably not worth it once you boil down to whether or not you need to uh, you need to let yourself slip. We don't want ourselves to slip and end up in a scenario where we're not prepared, but it happens. We're all just human beings. At least we're living a human experience. And while we're living this human experience, we're only, we are reduced to what we can do as humans. And as humans, we're limited to, to a lot. Until we can figure out how to control our overthinking brains. And that's what the imagination helps us do, is control our overthinking brains. Because when our imagination gets involved, now our overthinking brain has something to work on. So you put an overthinking brain to work, it'll begin to come up with solutions, or come up with possibilities, or come up with scenarios. I mean, that's how I was able to pop up with these different scenarios in my head just now, is... You know, my imagination and my overthinking brain, they're like, you know what, let's collaborate. Let's come up with a scenario that could happen. And then, boom, just like that. And now I'm ready for those scenarios that I had spoken out loud because then I also had thought about what else could happen. What are all the possible scenarios that could happen during a, a potential car accident, let's say. I mean, we all think that Oh, it could never happen to us, or we couldn't be, that wouldn't happen to me, it wouldn't happen to my loved ones. We're always kind of riding, trying to ride the luck train, expecting that, oh, I'd, that doesn't happen to me, stuff like that doesn't happen to me. But you never know. You never know. So it's a very good idea to exercise your imagination along with your overthinking brain. And how do you do that? Well... Give your overthinking brain something to work on. Something to to ponder, something to think about, as opposed to just, you know, doubting yourself and your abilities or capabilities or your goals, your dreams, or whatever the case may be. Because it's not about doubting yourself. It's about figuring out how how you can be well, what you want to be without getting in your own way. Because it's bad enough that in this world, there is plenty of people that may be trying to get in your way. Maybe they're not. But either way, you end up in this scenario where you get in your own way. And when you get in your own way, all you're doing is sabotaging yourself. And sometimes... When you're sabotaging yourself, you don't even realize that it's not just yourself, but it could be your ego. Now, a lot of us, when we think of our egos, you know, we think of a person that's egotistical. We think of a person who has a big head. We think of a person who, you know, is, uh, thinks they're better than everyone else. But that's not necessarily true. We don't necessarily have egos based upon our 
our big head, our inflated ego is there. You know, where an ego can also be, you know, that that voice that tells you you're not good enough. That uh, that aspect of you that sees yourself as small. And when you see yourself as small, that's that's your ego telling you you're not good enough. That is a form of your ego. The ego isn't just this this uh, big, grand, self-esteem-riddled thing within you that interacts with the world. I mean, yes, your ego is essentially how the world sees you, how people see you. But if you become your ego, then your ego is in control. Nobody wants to be in controlled, in control by their ego, because their ego is the one that causes self-doubt, the one that tells them that they're either too good or not good enough, that their 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 pride, which ego feeds off of, is pride, you know, and that's that's what gets people to. You know, say that they they can't do this, or because you know they're they're above that, or you know this is below me. I can't do that because you know I can't apologize for this because my pride says I can't apologize. Because if I apologize for something, then I'm admitting that I'm in the wrong, and I'm not in the wrong. I'm never in the wrong because if I, as soon as I admit that I'm in the wrong, then that admits weakness, and I'm not weak. I'm not a weak person. I can never admit being weak because as soon as someone sees that I'm weak then they see me as not good enough. And that's one of the things that the ego can can get us buried upon, is those sort of thoughts of, you know, that you bury yourself under, and that other people bury you under. But if you control your ego, or even better yet, lose the ego altogether, and see the world for what it is without understanding that the narratives that are in this world maybe they're not meant for you I mean not everything in this world that is presented to you is meant for you I mean there's pockets of information that some people need and there's pockets of information that some people don't need. And if you're eating off of the wrong the wrong pockets of information, so to speak, well then there's a good chance that it's someone else's ego that is feeding you. And if you have an ego that's controlling you, then that ego can be controlled by other egos. And then it just becomes a big hive mind of egos that are feeding off of each other. That's what happens when people get into, you know, a uh, large, large gatherings. They end up feeding off of each other's egos. End up doing things that they wouldn't otherwise do if they were alone. That's how the mob mentality works. When you have a whole bunch of egos in one crowded space, all together, feeding off of Maybe there's one grand ego that is in front of them. 
Well, now they're just, I'm nom 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 eating that up, I'm nom 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 eating that up, and all of them. And if that is something that's, something that's good, something that's going to better the world, better society, better people as a whole, then that's great. That's great. But sometimes, and unfortunately it's more than sometimes, that's not how it works. Because more more egos out there than not are out there to you know, push an agenda, push what they think is right, and you know what I think is right isn't necessarily what you think is right, and what you think is right isn't what I think is right. Well, that's where individuality comes in. But the tricky part is knowing whether it is your thought or someone else's thought. And if you are able to abolish your ego altogether, then you can know what's your thought and what's someone else's thought because you will understand that what something is telling you or what someone is telling you or what uh, the news is telling you, what social media, what Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, whatever it is that you, you may be consuming throughout the day. I mean, is that telling you things that you, within your heart of hearts, agrees with because if it's not then that's that's your ego feeding off of someone else's ego and if you're feeding off of someone else's ego well then you're not living with your own thoughts and when you're not living with your own thoughts you unfortunately put yourself in the potential of becoming well like a sheep being led around by by thoughts that aren't your own by morals that aren't your own, by principles that aren't your own, just because it seems like a good idea at the time. But most people who have followed the principles of an ego that was malevolent always regretted their choices, always said that they would never have done that if they were on their own. And that's the dangers of a mob mentality and the ego being involved in that. So this ego that we have, all it's meant to do is be the mask for what you want the world to see. Because until we figure out who we are in this world, until we figure out what our individuality is meant to represent, it can be very easy to be led around by what other people want us to believe, what other people want us to see. And when we do that, well, we're not, we're not our own people. And I hate to say it, but I feel as though a lot of our society has not become their own. Meaning, you know, my thoughts are my thoughts. Everything that I'm saying right now in this episode, they're my thoughts. They're slightly influenced by, you know, many many books and many resources and, and other facets of things that I like to, uh, to read about. But in the end, they're still all my thoughts. Because as, uh, you know, one of my, uh, one of my role models growing up, you could say, uh, Bruce Lee, and many people's role models, you can say, because, you know, he, he led with a good example of unity, of 
people being equal. And he had said that when learning something, you know, take what is useful, leave what is not, and essentially make it your own. And that's what I'm doing here. All these thoughts in my head, all these thoughts that I'm sharing with you guys, they're not just random thoughts in my brain. There's a lot of research that had come into these, uh, these concepts and principles that I'm putting out there. And that's what I'm trying to do is, you know, say that there's, uh, there is more out there than just, you know, what social media is telling us. And social media is full of egos pushing an agenda. And if your ego is controlling you, then you are not controlling your narrative. So it's very important that we come along and understand that with an ego comes a battle. A battle for, you know, the fight against other egos. Because when you have an ego, you also have an opinion that may be excessively strong in some facets of things, or it could be, you know, excessively weak, but either way, the ideal way to live is without an ego. I can tell myself, and those of you listening, that I have lost my ego. I may have not even developed an ego because of my insecurities in the first half of my life. Or maybe that was my ego, was the insecurities in myself. Insecurities in knowing that I'm, you know, not good enough, or I wasn't, uh, I wasn't as good as the next person, or, uh, you know, whatever it was. You know, I was never going to be a good writer, or I could never be a writer. I've always been, I've always wanted to be a writer, but I have never wanted to be, I knew that I could never get into college to pursue such a thing because of the life choices that I made. But instead of giving up on the idea of wanting to be a writer, I figured out other ways, other avenues. You know, granted the, the uh, introduction of the internet into our society greatly helped that because we have the ability now to know whatever it is that we possibly want to know and that will be in our pockets at any given moment. Most of us have smartphones, and that smartphone is typically attached to the internet. And the internet, amongst you know some uh, nonsensical and meaningless content, is filled with knowledge base of anything and everything you could possibly want to know. And it's very easy to find, a matter of seconds. Matter of seconds, you can find anything you want, and that's that's where I realized that you know I could be a writer. I mean, realizing that I could be a writer is actually put me onto this path of being a podcaster. This isn't something that I thought I would ever be able to do twenty years ago. So twenty years ago, I never even had a voice. I mean, not as in literally, but figuratively. I never had a voice that I would uh, be comfortable with uh, speaking on. Like, I wouldn't be able to record a podcast to uh, 
well, tens of you out there that are listening, maybe twenties of you, or maybe none of you. Maybe I'm just recording it for myself, thinking that eventually it'll pick up. And if it does, it'd be awesome. If it doesn't, either way, this is a way that I can get my writing out. So really, when we think about our overthinking brains, we need to think about whether or not our ego is involved in that overthinking. And if it's our ego that's involved in that overthinking, who else's ego is influencing my ego? You know, and I'm not saying my ego, because I'm, my ego cannot be influenced because it's not there. I understand where, I, where my place is in this world, and my ego isn't, to, isn't able to lead me around anymore. So really, we need to uh, know that our ego is not our friend. Our ego is who we like to think we are based upon what the world has told us to be. But when you buy into that as deeply as some people have, it becomes easy to get caught up in a materialistic world of you know, uh, maybe the chasing, uh, chasing money, or chasing the next nicest car, chasing the next, the next best this or that. And those are all things that feed the ego. It doesn't feed the person. It doesn't feed the experience. It just feeds the ego. And when I say feed the experience, you know, I feel that we, like I had mentioned previously, we are living a a human experience. But we are not human beings per se. I mean, we all speak upon having a spirit or being a spiritual person. Some of us maybe don't even see us see ourselves as spiritual people or spiritual beings, and that's fine. Because we all believe in many different things, many different facets of this world, because that's what individuality is about. We are individuals because it's important to be an individual. But like I had mentioned before in a previous episode, being an individual also allows for us to be opened up to criticisms. Because individuality is something that that allows us to be uh, kind of vulnerable in a way. Until we can learn to not not buy into the bullshit of what others think of us say of us you know you know speak to others about us cuz i mean in the long run of it it doesn't really matter what others say of us what really matters is what we say about ourselves because like i said previously we are our greatest our greatest critics in this world. Whenever I make a mistake, no matter how much the person that I made the mistake around beats me up about it, not physically, figuratively, of course, I will always beat myself up about it even worse. And most people are like that. I'm sure you are like that. But that's what we need to realize is 
It's about what we think of ourselves that makes us who we are. And all these overthinking thoughts that try to tell us otherwise are only there as a means of distracting us from you know, realizing who we really are and what our place is in this world. Because we're thrown into this world not knowing why we're here, what we're doing here. We just sort of got to figure it out. And some of us never do figure it out. And some of us figure it out right away. Some of us spend lifetimes trying to work it out. But it's not about whether or not you're good enough to figure it out or whether or not you're capable of it. It's a matter of what you believe in yourself. Can you believe in yourself? What was the last thing you can remember believing that you could do? That you actually had a belief in yourself? That should be a question you should be asking yourself. Because in the long run of things, it's not your overthinking brain that is causing any unhappiness. It's your self-doubts, your potential lack of confidence, your, your, uh, your overthinking brain not having something to do. There's a, uh, a very old saying. It's been around for as long as I can remember. But the idle hands are the devil's playground. If you don't have something to do, you're going to end up getting yourself in some sort of trouble. And that's what your brain does. It puts your mind into a state of trouble, into a state of distress. And it's not your fault. It's not your fault that your brain puts yourself in a state of distress. It's the influences around you in the world, in the society, on social media, everything around you that is influencing and interacting with you is what may or may not be causing your self-doubts, causing your lack of self-esteem, lack of confidence. Because confidence doesn't come from you know, someone telling you you're confident. It comes from you believing that you can do what it is that you're setting out to do. Because when you're doing stuff that you're setting out to do and all you do is think that, oh, I can't do that. I'm not good enough to be able to do that. All you're doing is feeding into that ego of yours that is telling you that you're not good enough. You know, that's, that's the mean ego. Not the egotistical ego, but the, uh, you know, the, the malevolent ego. The one that's always trying to beat you down, making you think that you're not good enough. But it's not... That's not true. You deserve to be happy. You deserve to have what you want. You deserve to believe what you want. And what other people tell you doesn't matter. They're just words. Nobody should ever have the power to bring you down. Only you should have the power to bring yourself down. Because the influences around us there are many of them that could possibly bring us down. But the only one that truly should be capable of bringing us down is, is ourselves. And sometimes our brains. Because if you can't reel in your overthinking brain, then 
it might reel you in to all the negative connotations that it is trying to feed to you. But you don't have to be unhappy trying to figure out why you overthink everything. Just win the argument. Win the argument of knowing that what you've been told, what you've been telling yourself, isn't true. It's what you believe to be true is what really is true. Because belief is belief is paramount. I mean, if I believe that if I believed that I could never record a podcast to myself, well then I would never be doing this. The anthologies of an overthinker podcast would never exist if I didn't believe that I could actually do it. And that's the power of belief. Because 15, 20 years ago, I would never have dreamed in a million years that I would be able to do this. Not without the help of someone else, at least. Which is, you know, that's part of the long plan, is getting the help of, you know, maybe some... uh, Eventually, you have some some guests uh, guests on here to bounce off of this uh, conversation with. Because right now, it's just me talking to, to myself, essentially. Well, that's what it seems like. If someone was watching me record this, that's what it would seem like. I'm just talking to myself. But really, I'm talking to you. Whoever it is that is, is listening, which I appreciate that you are taking the time to do so. And I hope that whatever it is that I am saying, some of it is helpful. But, you know, I have... Uh, I've actually spoke upon this topic much longer than I had anticipated. I have, uh, you know, tried to do a little bit more structuring before recording. So I had put about put about some uh, bullet points of things that I wanted to touch base on, topics that I wanted to really nail home. And you know, I've I've hit them all. I've hit them all, and I feel like this has been a very productive podcast, one that could be useful. So, uh, you know, thank you for tuning in, as always. This here is your overthinker Josh speaking, reminding you to never overthink anything you don't have to, because that's what we do here on Anthology of an Overthinker. We will do it for you. So until next time, take care of yourselves.